Hello, everybody. Pastor Vaughn here, uh, recording here in my office in beautiful Logan, Utah, in the middle of Cache Valley. In fact, uh, the background image is sunset here in Cache Valley over the mountains. And uh, But it won't be like that for long. They're calling for uh, maybe even up to three feet of snow to fall in the next few days. So it really is time for it. We need it for our uh, summer irrigation, so we, we really are grateful for it. Haven't made a video like this in a very, very long time. Uh, actually, I found myself a little rusty with the whole uh, OBS and everything that that entails. Uh, but I just wanted to uh, make a friendly video response to the guys at Ward Radio and the podcast that they do. Uh, Ward Radio is an LDS podcast, not an official church podcast, uh, but some young guys that uh, that head that up. And and even though uh, I vehemently disagree with much of their doctrine, uh, I, I do want to say that I appreciate what they do. Um, they've got a high-quality product. They've got a good platform. And one thing that I really respect about the guys at Ward Radio is they're willing to talk about uh, many of the hard issues that, at least in my experience, most LDS kind of shy away from. So, you know, props to them on that. And uh, recently they released a video about what can change and what can't change in the church. And specifically, uh, they deal with uh, the question, can or will the LDS church ever affirm gay marriage and will they uh, recognize uh, gay ceilings in the temple? And this is something that uh, uh, myself and my Christian friends here in Utah talk about often uh, because one of the major differences between biblical Christians like myself and the LDS is the fact that our authority comes from the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, uh, whereas the LDS church believes in uh, continual or progressive revelation. Uh, they believe that their living prophets speak for God while they're on the earth. And, and so... Really, in that case, when you abandon the objective standard of Scripture, then there really is nothing to check any new revelation, uh, especially in the LDS system in which uh, God himself is always progressing. And, uh, you know, even a couple of weeks ago in the Catholic Church, um, the Pope basically blessed. I know he used a lot of word salad to try to make it sound like it wasn't a big deal, but they are very much affirming and blessing gay marriage in the Catholic Church now, and it's because the Pope speaks ex cathedra. Uh, you know, when you abandon uh, Scripture for church tradition or, in the LDS case, uh, progressive revelation, there's, there's no reason to say that it could never happen. And in many ways in this episode, the reason that I'm making a response to this particular video is in this video, they very much make a case for sola scriptura. They're making many of the same arguments we've been making forever. And so I'm going to try not to make this video too lengthy, but let's just get in here and hear what they have to say. We're going to go raw and edit it here. Again, I haven't done this in a while, so we'll see if we can't knock some of the rust off. Here we go. It's there, There's sort of this, the idea of people in the church who I think rather than placing their faith in Christ, are placing their faith in change. That the church eventually will get with the times, come around, and and alter things in the future, right? But it 
begs a question, okay? What in the church can can change and what can't okay. while still maintaining that the church is actually true? Mm. Because for instance, if the church, there obviously have to be limits. If the church comes out and says, actually, Joseph Smith never saw God and we don't have priesthood keys, if that doctrine changed, well, then we wouldn't be the true church. It would, it would literally destroy what have the church- Have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Yeah, much. it would. Yeah. So we can't say that anything in the church can change. There are things that cannot change. Things okay, that are now essential just, to who we are. Just in defense of my boy, Jim, because he's my boy, right? Uh, couldn't you say maybe um, you you see how that would be more convenient or maybe you've you've been persuaded by people that say like, oh, yeah, for example, there should be alternative temple ceilings or whatever. OK, um, but you know, the church is true. And the way that you engage with the cognitive dissonance between the two is saying like, oh, well, that's the way it is now. But our history have changed. And I, I think we should. So I kind of hope for a change he's exactly right and this is something that my friends and i often discuss certainly my pastor friends and that is the the relevance i mean if this is the way that the culture's going and it's going to make you seem bigoted or irrelevant not to go along with it and you've abandoned the the scripture that condemns it why wouldn't you do it uh, could that maybe a little bit more their position instead of like, uh, and, and, and may, maybe so, but here's, here's the issue again. If, if I say that this table is black, but then I change tomorrow and say that the table is white. Okay. Those are, those can't both be true. I was either wrong yesterday or I am wrong today. But again, what the Catholics just said is basically, yes, we've been wrong for thousands of years. And they seemingly don't have a problem doing that because the culture has bought into this uh, LGBT uh, mindset hook, line, and sinker. And so, yes, they're, they're admitting they're wrong. And, I mean, uh, the church in many cases is going on an apology tour for this very thing. So... Apparently, those that have bought into this have no problem saying, yeah, we had it wrong. What if the table chose to identify as white and then you had no right? You can identify as a woman. You can't identify as black. It's a totally different thing. Okay. I would say Rachel Dolezal kind of proved you wrong on that one, bro. (laughs) It all makes sense. But when you get into a post-truth world, literally, like, like this kind of goes back to it. When there is no truth, then anything can change. I want to add a caveat to that. Where there is no objective truth, anything can change. Uh, You know, my Bible wholeheartedly condemns homosexuality. It it condemns any sexual activity outside of marriage between a man and a woman. It goes all the way back to the creation order with Adam and Eve. God's plan for marriage has always been one man, one woman, one lifetime. And those words in my Bible are not going to change. A thousand years from now, it'll still read exactly like it does today. But when you have progressive and continual revelation, uh, there's always going to be that temptation to go along with the culture and be relevant. And so, so the nature of subjective truth is that it's subject to change based on the people, based on the time, based on the culture. 
And so uh, where you don't have objective truth, yes, things are subject to change. But that's the whole thing is we in the church claim to have certain truths. If we go, and I'm not saying we're not perfect, so we can't say that, you know, our prophets don't have an unfettered, they're not infallible. They will goof up. Why? The Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles that gave us the Old and New Testament uh, were never wrong. They never botched a prophecy. And in fact, in Deuteronomy 18 and verse 22, if there was somebody that claimed to be a prophet and they missed a 100% accuracy rating, they were to be executed. I mean, if somebody is actually speaking on behalf of God, can God goof up? Or do we just have people claiming to speak for God that aren't actually speaking for God? And I think that's actually what we're dealing with here. But if they're not even reliable, if what they're saying is going to change every 10 years, like say, yeah, just listen to the prophet right now. But, you know, I, I've, I've, I've actually made this joke. I said, well, you know, if the, everything's going to change in 10 years anyway, why don't I just reject the prophets now and, and you know, get yeah, just be ahead of the curve, be ahead of the curve right? The okay, social well, scientists so, so hold on. have a better you're obviously making You're obviously making reference to LGBTQ issues, okay, and everything from gay temple ceilings to the proclamation of the family and so on and so forth. And you've alluded to the fact that you had a conversation with one Jim Bennett, friend of the show, a uh, buddy of mine. Uh, who said, like, of course it can change. Well, now, to a certain extent, I kind of see where he's coming from. Like, for example, uh, I think it's actually a bigger stretch to have told all of the ancient Jews that all of a sudden we're going to be talking to those unwashing Greeks and we're going to be taking what you guys have perceived as this sect of Judaism called Christianity. Well, it's now going to be its own thing. And we're preaching to those people you've literally been told in Deuteronomic law to avoid for your entire lives. I view that as a much bigger, whoa, kind of change historically than saying like, okay, we're going to open up uh, the temple to gay temples. I understand his point and I agree in principle, but the reason this is not a great illustration is or example is because uh, the Old Testament prophets were very clear that the Lord was going to bring a new covenant in which uh, God would have a people made up of both Jew and Gentile. So uh, God actually just fulfilled, even though it was a great change, it, it wasn't like it was unplanned or unpredicted. And so not, not the greatest illustration, although I do agree with him in principle that um, the change of the affirming of LGBT could absolutely happen. Whole new religion that came about. Yeah, it yeah. was like it was a whole new law. Well, so new what, what do you say to that? So, like when a boy Jim comes out and he wants to cite, for example, you know Peter and his vision in the Book of Acts as a big, massive change. Uh, um, I think he incorrectly cited uh, the lifting of the priesthood ban as a change because that would have insinuated that it was always a permanent part in the beginning when actually the ban was the change that we had to undo, you know, but like th- there's been big changes, getting rid of polygamy, so on and so forth. Okay, so there's, there's, um, the, how is he wrong? The two big monkeys in the room there. Have, I believe realistically, there's only it's two elephants in the room and monkeys on your back. <laughs> all right, all right, whatever okay, it is, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the two big things that everyone brings up with changes in church's history, there's only been two really big ones. One is the ending of the practice of polygamy. First of all, that practice was ended, but there's no indication anywhere in scripture that that is the permanent historical thing that was meant to be caught, uh, taught on and on. Even if, pe- even if church leaders taught that, those church leaders were wrong if they taught that. 
there was never anything. Go read Jacob 2, which predates all of them. Jacob 2 says, look, monogamy is the norm. There may be exceptions. So, and by the way, we have not abandoned polygamy. All that happened is, is that we no longer practice it because we don't believe it's a time for it to be practiced. We believe it's a sometimes. So are you saying that the scriptures are supposed to keep these prophets in check? And if the revelation from the prophets contradicts scripture, that they're false? I mean, is that what you're saying, that we are supposed to use scripture to hold the prophets accountable? So polygamy is not a big deal. Blacks in the priesthood, in the priesthood ban, that was something that I believe, because of the culture of the 1850s, was, it was the culture that caused the problem, okay? Mm-hmm. And they, I believe, like Bruce R. McConkie said, that like, just forget about what they said, they were all wrong. Wait, so are you saying that the prophets can be persuaded by the culture and the pressure there? Are you saying that they don't always speak for God, but they speak in order to please men? Why couldn't it happen again with the LGBT and the the absolute tidal wave that is that movement? Okay, I believe it was just a mistake, and therefore that is one that you can point to. But the scriptures here is the thing: the scriptures never supported a priesthood ban on sub-Saharan Africans. And anyone who thinks otherwise, I want them to show me right now what verses in the scriptures support a priesthood ban on sub-Saharan Africans. But again, is Scripture the authority? And I, and I want to clarify for our non-LDS listeners, I recognize that uh, he could be talking about you know some of the Mormon Scriptures. But even in principle, uh, do the Scriptures, are, are the Scriptures the authority, or are the living prophets the authority? And if the prophets say something that contradicts the Scripture, which one do you go with? If you go back and cite all the, oh, well, well, here's what Joseph F. Smith said, and here's what so-and-so said. and That's your leaders. Well, here's the thing. They all were wrong. The scriptures, they have the same scriptures yeah, you're we You're quoting have now. cultural copes, not strict scripture. Yeah, and they were wrong. They had a wrong interpretation of the scriptures. And you say, well, how do you know your scripture interpretation is right? It's like, well, at the end of the day, that's... <laughs> they didn't use the scriptures. That's the problem. They came up with their own revelation that completely contradicted the scriptures. That's the thing. The scriptures don't support a priesthood ban on sub-Saharan Africans. Guess what? So the priesthood ban is not supported by scripture, but guess what else isn't supported by scripture? Any sort of homosexual behavior outside. That, that's just, 1, it's, it's against it. And so you can't go and say, I support gay marriage and that the scriptures are, it's, this is something that's that it's baked into the temple liturgy. It's baked into Adam and Eve narratives. It's based into our doctrines of exaltation. If you change that, you're changing something that like is literally at the core of the purpose. Well, okay, but in so the Catholics just did that. They they went against you know thousands of years of teaching and tradition and doctrine and councils. And, and so, again, why can't it happen in the LDS church? And I would just like to pose this question. If your apostles came out just like the Pope did and affirmed it, totally affirmed it, God is, you know, he's kind of backed off of this and, and we're going to change and we're going to recognize gay marriage and seal these marriages in the temple. If that actually happened, and there's no reason to think that it couldn't happen, if that did happen, 
what would you do? How would you keep them in check? Who do you go with at that point? In in twenty no in in thirty nine A.D. Couldn't the um, Jews of that time have said, "What do you mean, Peter?" For for literally since the Go. Pentateuch was written by Moses, uh, again we've not had nothing example. but fifteen canonized books and Torah and Talmud readings They'd that have talked about how you thou shalt not associate with the pagans. We are monotheists. We're not going out to the Greeks. This they, isn't a new gospel. What do you say to those people? They did that to Paul and them and go read the book of Hebrews and see what he said. 100%. Paul makes the point very clearly, something that we all as Christians believe. We don't believe the law of Moses was perfect. We don't believe that the law of Moses was something that was for all time. Well, the law of Moses is perfect. Um, In fact, um, the Bible says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And, uh, you know, even Jesus didn't come to abolish it. He came uh, to achieve it. He came to fulfill it on our behalf. And so um, I, I would disagree with that, but it's kind of getting off subject to stay here. So I'll continue on here. Paul made that case from the Old Testament saying that there was a new covenant that was coming. Again, scripture predicted that things were going to change and that the, the children of Israel had been given a lower law right. to go on to something higher. If you can make a scriptural case for why these things are going to change, I might he sounds like a Baptist. Listen, to you, I just but did. it doesn't yeah. exist. What happened to Peter? Why couldn't that happen to gay temple ceilings? Because Peter actually had a scriptural basis for the fact that there was a Messiah coming with a new covenant and a higher See, law. I, of I think I think you're not even using your own doctrinal ideas like the collective witness model as well as you could. Because Timber Harware, for example, when we had this exact same uh, uh, conversation and I asked him this exact same question, he said, there's been three separate dispensations where that has been revealed to be incorrect. And your collective witness model would kick in at that point. Yeah, saying, that, that, okay. that's, that's largely what I'm saying. When I, when I, oh, when no, I, it's not. That's what Timber's saying. You're giving this crap about how like, oh no, it's been that way for so long, so it can't be that way in the no, future. No, no, no. It's, you know? it's that way in within scripture. Scripture is the collective witness of God's prophets over thousands of years. Okay. Okay. The collective witness of God's prophets over thousands of years never supported a priesthood ban on sub-Saharan Africans. Nothing in there supported a, uh, that, that polygamy is eternal, uh, mean, meaning that it was all, it's, it's the norm yeah, okay. rather than the exception. And there is nothing in there either to support the idea that gay marriage will eventually happen in the church. Now, but again, there, there's this deeper issue. If the church can't get things right, if they constantly have to revise and change things, and they always, as people say, they're just kind of following, you know, about 20 years later, they get with it, 20 to 40 years later, they kind of come around to what the social yeah. norms are. Well, then let's get ahead of the curve and start following the social norms. Obviously, the better source of truth is the social norms of society rather than of the church, than what the church is teaching. Yeah, I was going to say, if I were to have my son, for example, who is starting to advocate for these kind of ideas and say like, oh, this is the way it should be, because like you said, social norms, this and that, so on and so forth. Um Instead of me sitting, I've got to pause it ever so often anyway. So I just stop it there and say, he's making a great case for Sola Scriptura here. Because again, um, you know, if you have living prophets who live in the current world under the current climate and pressures, why, if you've abandoned the objective standard of scripture, 
why couldn't it happen? Why not? Why not go with the quote unquote social norms? Why not? In around and believing and and trying to harbor some kind of hope that like things can change to catch up with society, or that things in the church can change and will change uh, to catch up with society because you really think in the back of your mind that society is actually ahead of the curve and that the church is having to catch up with the goodness of society instead of society having to catch up with the goodness of the church. I would want to sit that person down. I would be like, what about the world's secular ideas makes you think that they're better than God's time-tested proven ideas that have been proven to work not over just centuries, but millennia. Like what is so enticing about these secular ideas that you have that I, I would just want to get them to stop and think for a second and just, 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 just force themselves to articulate. Why do you actually think that this is better? Is it's a fair question, but I don't think it's the right question. It's not about better. It's about right or wrong. It's about what God has ordained, even going back to Adam and Eve. It's not about better because, you know, better can be somewhat of an obje- of subjective concept. Is it just because all of the cool people whose cool music you like and cool books you like to read and cool clothes you like to wear, they've kind of espoused these exact same ideas. And because you like their books, their clothing and their music, you want to feel more comfortable around them. So ideologically, it would be more comfortable for you as a wearer of their clothes, a listener of their music and a reader of their books. You would be more... um comfortable espousing those ideas as well. Well, if that's really how you feel, then we either need to strengthen you as a person who can stand to be around others that you don't think the same with and still chill and still vibe. Okay. Or we need to show you just how bad those ideas are by showing what actually happens at the bottom of the slippery slope when you adopt them or what the fruits of those actual ideas are and so on and so forth. And I'd want to strengthen them uh, to be able to resist the desire to just fit in. Because I think so much more of this is just the desire to fit in than we realize. And I remember how crippling that was. I don't remember what you were like, Kwaku. Um, maybe it was. I get what he's saying. And I, I really believe there is some genuine truth to that statement. There's so much pressure uh, on teenagers and you know college kids these days to to be a part of that and certainly not be against it. Um but I really think it, it's deeper than that. Um, you know, the hearts of men and women are evil. They're depraved. And this is really about lust when it comes down to it, whether it's a, a sexual lust or a lust of pride, you know, to be accepted. Um, it, it all goes back to this, the sin of human heart. And it, again, it's not an issue of, of better or worse because when you abandon an objective standard of truth, there really is no right and wrong. It's all about uh, what's different, what's better for me. And so, again, you get to kind of a a subjective question and a subjective answer. It's just because you have this theater background that always <laughs> empowered you to be such a cool rebel of a guy, you know? But Yeah, those rebellious theater kids. It's <laughs> <laughs> so well known for being cool. Dude, yeah. but I remember as, as rebellious as we get is when we have to wear leather jackets. We're like, do up, do up. Comb hair. So, well, I just do. I remember as a very young man, as a youth, just so desperately 
wanting to just fit in with the established norm of what was cool. I believe it or not, Asics shoes were actually cool at my school Ooh. in fifth and sixth grade. You are old. Yeah, you know, you remember those <laughs> days. Yeah, and I remembered wanting so desperately to have an expensive pair of Asics. And when my dad got me the genetic, generic pair of tennis shoes and tried to teach me that it's not about the shoes, shoes don't make you jump higher, shoes don't make you run faster, that's your personal athleticism, it only half sunk in because that other half, Half of me just wanted it so desperately. So I don't know if it's just immaturity of, of us as members of society or, or, or what the fix is, but, but like my dad tried to teach me, you know what I'm saying? I I just remember as a kid wanting to fit in so badly, Mm. you know? So, um, and Brad, this is kind of making me wonder about the question. Why would people want things to change? Right? Like, because people are sinners. Because they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Because there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Uh, there's no such thing as a God seeker. There's none that doeth good. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You're talking about, hey, things are not going to change, right? We're trying to discuss which things are more doctrine, which are more policy. My question doctrine that arises from this... Why are people feeling like there's a disconnect that would require a change, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, and, and, you just and, articulated what I was trying to say and I, and, in like two sentences. And the thing is, is I don't believe it's, I, I do believe what Cardin says is true. There's a desire to fit in and, and not be outside. But I also think a lot of it is genuinely when you deal with some of these issues, these really serious, difficult issues, they cause you to question, why would God allow this? Why would God, why, why can't he allow for gay marriage in the temple. It seems arbitrary. It seems unfair. And so then they begin to look for, well, maybe we just got this wrong like we got other things wrong. And okay, that's fine. That's one big discussion that people can have. But here's the bigger issue. When you start talking about everything can change, that means you don't have any truth. Well, well, here's the thing that it means you don't have any objective and unchanging truth. I guess maybe why this conversation has never been too big of an issue for me. And maybe this has been true for you as well, Kwaku, but being involved in theater, um, I have a decent number of friends who are gay. And so all sorts of people I know that are gay, family and everything. Yeah. But I mean, like during high school talking about this, it was never really too big of an issue because it just came down to a fundamental difference in how we view reality. Right. Where we in the church have this idea that, Hey, the way that we live here on earth is going to be perpetuated into eternity. And we believe that the same way that we're able to have children here is going to be able to continue in eternity. There's an eternal nature uh, that our progression requires marriage between a man and a woman because they can have children in eternity. Right. And any time that I've discussed that with somebody who is, uh, who's gay and doesn't uh, live the same way as I do, they're like, Oh, Hey, Okay, if this is like about what you think eternity is like, I get why where you're coming from, right? I, it, this has nothing to do with you disliking me and w- what my beliefs are. My, mm-hmm. I just don't believe in the same things as you, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, and, and, and I think that was the point if you listen. But again, who's right and who's wrong? Are we? And, and I'm not trying to put uh, words in his mouth, um, but maybe just some clarification is needed because is he just saying that, uh, you know, what's good for you is good for you. And what's good for me is good for me. Is this, 
or or is it okay to be gay? Is it wrong? Is it evil? Is it sinful? Um, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? Listen to the conference talks given by both uh, Elder Oaks and and or President Oaks and and, and uh, President Nelson. That was basically what they were saying: why yeah. gender matters, why all these things matter. But my thing is this: that's why it can't change, because if because we're saying like this is the way reality is, and these are as Elder Oaks kind of explained, these are core things to like the whole plan of salvation, the highest ordinances that we have in the church are based around these notions. And so if you say that you change those, what it does is it shows that you don't, you truth doesn't change. So if you change something, that means you didn't have truth in the first place. So I'm like, if you guys can't get marriage right, if you can't get the highest ordinances of your temple right, okay, why am I, why am I trusting? Now here's, and now here's a challenge, just your thought process. Okay. And, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. Um, but I, I think this is this is a fair question. You're saying that a prophet cannot come out and say, just like Peter saw the sheet of unwashing animals come down in a vision on the rooftop, and uh, the preaching of the gospel is now opened up to more. Again, not a great example, but it's a great point. Why can't a prophet come out and say those very things? Just the Jews. It's open up to the Greeks. It's open up to the pagans. It's open up to the Samaritans. It's open up to the Gentiles. And I, the prophet Peter, have had this vision. Therefore, I am changing the very essence of what we have previously perceived as the gospel. I'm changing its very essence to open it up to this whole new swath of people or this whole new idea, right? How come... If you're saying our modern prophet couldn't do that, our modern prophet couldn't come down and say, I came down from the Temple Mount and we're opening up temple ceilings to X, Y, or Z uh, uh, demographic, you kind of accidentally make a sola scriptura argument. Boom. Boom. There it is. (laughs) It's like if you're saying, well, the prophet can't do that because that truth has already been established by scripture then why do we have prophets? So, exactly. so I, I, and do prophets have the ability this, this of superseding this conversation scripture? Gets it. This conversation okay. happened. It was, that's what they were saying to Paul. And Paul actually utilized scripture to refute what they were saying by saying your Old Testament scriptures themselves tell you that this is not going to be a permanent thing and that the gospel is supposed to go to the whole world. Okay, so if Russell M. Nelson came back down and started making some of those woke Christian talking points that sound like... Yeah, that, those woke Christian talking points are just a bastardization of Scripture. They aren't. They don't have anything... Man, you guys are throwing some fire here. That is absolutely right. It is a bastardization of Scripture. Okay, but all I'm saying is that right now we're accepting that the Apostle Paul was right because he was kind of the winner of that argument when Peter said, we're opening up all of the preaching of the gospel to all of these But the Old Testament, by the, by the standards of the Old Testament, the gospel was meant to go to the whole world. And there's a very compelling case that the Jewish religion had totally gone off the rails and that Christ came to essentially restore the the true version of his kingdom that he was trying to establish on earth. And so if you want to make that case, if you want to make the case that, hey, our, our religion is totally corrupt and our leaders have been wrong for thousands of years and God has given you a new revelation that now is going to go forth and and now have the gay ceilings and everything else, it's like, okay, 
You can do that, but let's not pretend that you're not destroying what was originally there by saying, hey, this, because what Paul was saying, he's saying this is the upgrade, this is the promised upgrade to Judaism, okay? But by saying that there was even need for an upgrade was to say that there was something wrong with the original. It wasn't complete. So if people want to do that, if you want to come out and make your claim that, and even if the, if the prophet can't, can the prophet be checked on anything? What if he comes tomorrow and tells you that we actually should go and genocide? And he says, God told no, me we need to do that. I, I won't be putting <laughs> no, that example there. in the radio edit. Yeah. But, <laughs> but again, how are we going to check the prophets? What is the standard that we're going to use to check the prophets, if not scripture? I think we'll use a different one. So, um, okay. So then one question here, because we, we got a heart out here coming up. In one sentence, tell me, why could not the modern prophet change the doctrine on temple the entire issue because it would discredit him as a prophet of god because he would step so far out of the prophetic tradition wait a second i love this because again not trying to put words in his mouth but it's like he wants to say so bad that if a prophet steps out of scripture then he's telling on himself he's a false prophet but instead, he says that he steps out of the prophetic tradition. What, what is the prophetic tradition? Because the very nature of having you know, living prophets and new revelation is that you're saying things that you can't necessarily find in Scripture. And, and so if we were just saying what was already in the Bible, we, we could just stick with the Bible. It's like John Owen said. He said, if extra biblical revelation agrees with Scripture, it's needless. And if it disagrees with Scripture, it's false. And so, again, um, how, would a, how would a prophet with new revelation be stepping outside of the tradition of the prophets? I don't understand that. And change core ideas to the church? The church has an essence of what it is. Okay, well, hold on. But one of those core ideas is that new prophets can give new revelation. So, because that was your one sentence. There was a period in there. Sorry. So the prophetic tradition of all previous prophets is a higher authority in your mind than what the current prophet... Only if scripture is unchanging and objective. If it says individually. Is there any check on the current prophet? Is it? Is anything he well, that's says? That's what I'm asking. That's, so I, is, I, I do. Yes. Is yes. The tradesh, is the if it's inconsistent, if it's inconsistent, then you if could, the prophet came out tomorrow and said Jesus was not the Christ, would I go with uh, him? Okay, no, that's an extreme example. No, that extreme example oh, makes the on, point. It's stop. important. I, no, but I'm making a point too. You got to let me make my point before you make your point. If you're saying that the prophetic tradition already established by all of the prophets before him makes it so that the current prophet cannot change anything. You inherently damn every that's, future that's, prophet that's not what to I'm repeating what was said no, before. No, no, no. Because you, the second he steps out of line, he's no, no he's disqualified no, by the tradition of the older it. prophets, no, right? No, no, I, I no, you have to hold, hold on, let me make this point. This is really important. Okay. I, I gotta throw this one down. Okay. Because there's a common error that people make in the argument that I'm saying. It okay. has to be something has to be consistent with the past. Oh boy. It can expand upon oh truth. But it cannot contradict truth. What you mean like Joseph Smith? And bear with me, guys. I know you say that you love truth and you despise deception. So I just want to I just want to challenge you with this because you're painting yourself in a corner. 
Because when Joseph Smith came along, he changed everything. In fact, he said the church was so corrupt. The, the Bible had passed through the hands of so many men, and we'd lost you know, apostolic authority that he had to come along and restore everything. And if you look at what Joseph Smith taught versus what the New Testament apostles taught, I mean, Joseph Smith uh, taught a different Christ, uh, different God, different afterlife, different gospel. Um, I mean, you know, we could just go on and on and on and on and on. And so we're not talking about something, you know, that was dressed up a little bit. We're talking about something that radically contradicted uh, the teachings of Scripture. And I'm talking about Genesis to Revelation. So, so which way is it? How, how can you accept the radical changes that Joseph Smith brought and yet disregard the potential change of accepting and affirming of gay marriage? How can you do that? Okay, I can't come out and it, it isn't whatever the newest prophet, whatever they say goes, because what if he contradicts truth? What if what he comes truth? out and says and contradicts everything that's ever been taught on, on a particular subject? Like Joseph Smith? It, it, truth ultimately is what, what the name of the game is. And so either all the other prophets were wrong in the past or he's wrong now. Exactly. Okay, give us an outro, bro. Now give us an outro. Hard out's coming out. So here's the you thing. You started this one. You're going to bookend it. You're going to give us the outro. And don't forget to send people to wardradio.com. I would just say this. We need to figure out what can and can't change in the church. The church has an essence. If you change the essence of something, you change what it is fundamentally. And if you change Scripture, then anything can change with it. If, if Scripture is unchanging, then its principles and doctrines are unchanging. That's the only, that's the only foundation that you can build on. It no longer is that thing. Right. And there are doctrines in the church that form the essence of what it means to be a Latter day Saint. And so we have to recognize that if we're going to make truth claims, we can't have those change. And so be sure to go to check out everything else on wardradio.com. Our closing hymn will be. I'm going to shut it down right there. Uh, again, I, I can respect and appreciate the guys at Ward Radio for even addressing this subject. I mean, so many are not willing to do that. But I think that, again, they're making a case for solar scriptura. And if the scriptures are not settled, if the canon is not settled, then how can anything be settled? How can anything be unchanging? If you're going to go with the changing revelation of new prophets, how do you check that? How do you vet that? And so, again, um, this is the, one of the core differences between us, the objective truth of unchanging Scripture. The Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, uh, Genesis to Revelation, uh, or you're going with the prophet. It, it's, it's why the LDS Church exists today, because uh, Joseph Smith showed up in the 1830s, said that God had given a, him a vision, given him uh, re revealed to him the golden plates, and they went with the prophet over and above the Old and New Testament. And so if that is your M.O., are you saying that you're going to change your M.O. if the prophets come out and, and affirm gay marriage? I mean, how, how, can you, 
how can you be consistent with that? How can how can you possibly uh, do that? It, it just seems so uh, inconsistent to me. And so, uh, anyway, you guys can post your thoughts in the comments. I guess I'm sure I'll be hearing about that, and uh, maybe maybe the guys at Ward will reach out. Maybe we can have a friendly. Uh, discussion about these things, because I think these are really important issues. I think these are critical uh, issues of our time. And the only way uh, to stand against it is to have a sure foundation that never changes, and that is the Word of God. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, Be sure to check us out at the Mormon Hope Podcast. God bless. Talk to you later.